Good afternoon from London and good morning from Los Angeles. I believe where it's uh, 8.13 and um, my wonderful guest Gina is still waking up, hasn't had a coffee and um, has done the most LA thing possible. You were late for going on air on time, which as a CNBC host, that has to be worth a wind up or two. <laughs> um, you're my 21st guest and everybody else was on time and you hustled into the office and mm -hmm. you're gonna have to remember to look at the right screen and all that kind of stuff but you're a pro so it's all great anyway yeah um yeah. so um our show is uh what comes next live and uh, my guest this week is my good friend gina sanchez who normally splits her time not evenly but is in london every month but i guess that hasn't happened for a while um, and um, she's a woman of many talents and uh, very, very insightful in lots of ways. She and I are both economics geeks and uh, with a fellow friend of ours, Megan Green, spent a weekend together in deepest Ireland at Kilconomics a couple of years ago. And since then, we've got to know each other a, a, a lot more in different in different areas, which are fun explorations and chats. Um, and I miss seeing you in London this year. That's one of the COVID things. So, I miss being there. I would imagine. So um, with that, um, our show is just is to give our guests a platform to talk about what comes next. And, you know, maybe an interesting week in uh, and it's not it's try not to keep it in the news cycle too much. But uh, even though you're a, mm -hmm. on CNBC as a as an anchor or a host or whatever the language officially is. Um, but uh, what's, what's on your mind and what comes next? And well, tell people a little bit about yourself first, Gina, perhaps. Sure, sure. Um, so thank you, Tom. It's lovely to see you, if not, if, if only virtually. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I run a consulting firm. And so normally I, I, along with my fellow consultants who uh, work for the firm, spend a lot of time on planes. And for the last uh, 10 months, we've effectively been grounded. My last flight was March 13th. And, you know, it's a, it's a funny thing. It makes you very reflective. Um, I spent so much time learning how to be productive while moving that I had to figure out how to be productive while sitting still. <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, it was interesting. I uh, discovered things about myself. I learned that I am allergic to my cat. Apparently, in the last decade, I haven't been home enough to figure that out. Uh, so <laughs> that was news. <laughs> um, I, um, well, you know, I mean, I think that one of the things that, you know, for, for our clients, our, just to give you kind of a background of our clients, our clients range from pension funds, foundations, um, family offices, um, registered investment advisors. And I will say that through the pandemic, um, our client base uh, probably engaged double or triple. And our most of our client um, contracts expanded. And it was a bit scary when it began because we were in the process of sort of, you know, going through the process of going through and getting new clients. And so a lot of that actually went on hold as COVID really took hold. And as a business, it was, you know, a bit scary. Um, but, you know, what I found is that, in fact, you know, during these crises, people seek more counsel, not less. And, um, you know, I, I've seen the sort of memes that have been going on, going around the latest being the Shakespeare meme uh, when, 
<clears throat> when the theater was closed for the plague and he wrote his, some of his greatest works. And so I think that there is an aspect of that for um, a lot of people. I will tell you that from my perspective, you know, I spent so much time traveling to and from clients, you know, dealing with getting my the rest of the kind of consulting team kind of, you know, set with all of their clients, running the business, meeting the budget, <laughs> trying to remain profitable. And uh, for the past 10 months, I've actually focused on the core of what we do, the real intellectual property. And, you know, from my perspective, that has probably been one of the, the best things I could have done with, with 10 months of time. And the, the result of that has been, I think, work product for our client that our clients that we um, are really proud of and is probably going to set our business up for the next decade. And so I, well, it's been overwhelming here now that it's really starting to take hold and, and people are really excited about what we're doing. There was a moment where I stood very still and said, you know, how am I going to advance my business and focused on that? Okay. Um, I'm sitting quietly thinking. It's a great thing about being a video, but you're also consciously looking at the other screen, whereas I'm on a screen off to your left. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sitting still bit interests me because you're, I know you to be somebody who's incredibly high energy. You'll get on an <laughs> 11, an 11 hour flight from LA, uh, arrive on a Sunday, Sunday mid morning, wash your face and go, right, we've gone out for Sunday lunch. And I'm right. going, how, how does she do this? How does she do this? And then you'll message it right, you know, with me and other friends at really weird times of night. And I'm going, does she sleep? And you go, not really. You know, because you're never, apart from not being, you know, realizing you're allergic to your cat for 10 years. Um, you know, you, 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 God knows what your sleep patterns are like with an, an eight hour time difference, which you never, you, ne- you know, the, in theory, they say one hour for every day to recover but by the time you've yeah. got the hang of it you must get like a week in LA then you turn around and come back again is what's normal so you've well, got well I so what, I'm a time the, zone refugee yeah what's the you know so there's there's two there's two things that come to mind from what you're talking about and then let's let's do look at what comes next and without diving into what your business is or the other things you look at but you you do tend to look out into the big picture mm-hmm. um and that's kind of what we're looking at. Whether the big picture is a few weeks from now, or a few months from now, or a few years from now, it's up to the guest. Um, but one thing I would agree with you, I found that um, when the lockdown kind of hit, in, in my business, I work on month-to-month retainers, right? And I just thought, oh, that's it, right? Everybody will shut down immediately, and I'll, I'll have nothing to do. And actually, the reverse was the case. I was called upon so much more than before by existing mm-hmm. clients and other people. Um, to the point where I got um, a DVT, a blood clot in my leg, and, and quite scary actually. Um, mm. I'm absolutely fine, but if I if you if you now look at me on the screen, I'm now on one of these ergonomic bouncy stools. <laughs> <laughs> so now if I sit doing seven zooms a day, then um, I can be working my core with Pilates. But um, the sitting still is different. But what I did notice is. Um, I found it difficult to sit on my own. I was I was on my own for three months at the beginning of lockdown. You know, I actually hugged a friend's young kid, which is allowed under the was allowed under the rules a couple of months ago. And I thought, what a lovely feeling! And this kid comes to hug me, and I went, that's the first hug I've had in a very long time. It was just really <laughs> strange. But the business side of this is is I have seen a lot of people 
in the time they've had available to them from not doing all the other stuff around a business, they have started to work on their business rather than in their business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, not everybody. And for a lot of people, for very understandable reasons of not being able to or not being able to get that focus. But mm-hmm. for those who have, some of those will represent the audience who uh, will watch this and other of the shows we do um, or listen later on podcast. And they are kind of looking for some insights on, you know, what are we learning? You know, you know what, what, what might be coming down the line, whether macro or micro or in terms of leading a business. You have your own, you know, small business. Uh, mine's even smaller. It's just, as we say in the Caribbean, it's just me one. Um, so, well, a team around, but they're all, they're all remote and virtual. Um, but, you know, what's, what are your thoughts on that? And, and first of all, what did it feel like for Gina Sanchez to sit still? I mean, that's what that interests me, first of all, as a human. Well, it was, um, it, well, it wasn't a natural feeling. I can tell you that. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, even, you know, for the first maybe month or two of the pandemic, I did not come into the office. Um, and then I began coming in uh, regularly um, to meet my bookkeeper to deal with, you know, just sort of things that that happened. And then, you know, the, the, the funny thing about this is that um, I think it might have been easier for me to sit still if it had just been me one. Mm-hmm. But I felt this incredible obligation to, you know, the eight people who draw payroll to them mm. and everybody, the, the, the sort of the concern was palpable. And, you know, you know, half of my staff come from all parts of the world, um, you know, you know, one from Wuhan, which you can imagine what she was going through. Mm-hmm. Um uh, one from India who was, you know, quite fearful himself. And, you know, you, you look at, at their experience and I think it might have been a lot easier for me to sort of get meditative if it had just been me and I was just focusing on kind of my own problems. But I, I'm in a different place than a young person who's drawing a salary to pay their rent to, you know, and, 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 you know, who are worried about their family, who's very far away, who don't have those, you know, I, I was at home with a husband and a cat um, and it's a different feeling. And so in some ways that sitting still felt very, very uncomfortable because I felt the weight of a small company is in some ways much more heavy on the CEO than a large mm-hmm. company. I don't have any sort of middle management to take that weight off of me yet. Right. And I don't anticipate that that's going to be the case, you know, anytime soon, and, and which means that it falls to me. So sitting still was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first month I, I didn't, I wasn't as productive as I think I could have been um, because that sitting still really was met with this incredible anxiety about, you know, <laughs> how to meet payroll and how to deal with the, the clients that weren't coming on and, and all of that. And, and slowly as the pandemic kind of began to really kind of take hold and quite frankly, like your clients, my clients needed quite a bit of, of, um, advice and counsel and the contracts began to expand, I began to calm and remember that I had built a business that was actually designed for moments like this. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually designed for moments when everything's great. Um, and so to some degree, our client finding 
this, you know, we normally search for new clients right around this time. So, you know, November, December, January, and we're signing clients at the end of January. Um, I will tell you that this year has been quite a bit easier than the year before. Um, and quite frankly, the last seven years that I've run my business, this is my eighth year. And, you know, from that perspective, once I sort of got that baseline that everything was going to be okay, I was able to comfortably settle mm. down. I think there's a poverty mindset that sets in, um, you know, when, when you're concerned about sort of meeting basic bottom line, like, can I meet payroll? And it's, it just sucks away your productivity. Um, and t- takes up mind space. And once that bottom line is covered, hmm. I found that my productivity rose dramatically. And, you know, I've actually seen and read about, um, uh, about poverty mindset and how that works, but I've never really experienced it. Well, in my youth, I experienced it, but I haven't experienced it in m- my kind of regular adulthood. Um, and so th- this was new for me and, um, and feeling that e- immediate feeling that all of a sudden the small things were going to be taken care of all of the young analysts and quite frankly, some of my older, uh, consultants could all pay their rent, could all pay their mortgages. Everybody was going to be okay. All of a sudden I could really relax and just focus on what I was doing, but I cannot mm-hmm. imagine what it's like being a struggling business right now, because I will tell you that for that month or two, life was, everything was unpleasant about life, not just the business, but it just seemed like everything around me felt strained. Um, and I know that it was really just my outlook. It's fascinating. I live in a, I moved to this country three and a half years ago, and I'm curious about every country in the world. And I, I used to live in Scotland many, many years ago, and mm-hmm. but I haven't lived in the UK for 30 years. And I've been here for the last three years and curious about it in so many ways. Um, and inequality is one of the key things which is glossed over here as being a liberal country. Mm. Um, it might surprise you to know that 70% of the UK population have less than 500 US dollars equivalent in savings. They are one paycheck away from being on the street, 70% right. of the country. Um, and it's if I think of it from entrepreneurship and leadership and running a business, um, I think one of people said there's a few thoughts. I think one of the things that was in a conversation with some other people who advise and coach businesses said, what's one thing that's different about the value that people take from you at this time? So I'm talking to people all around the world all the time and people are telling me what it feels like to be a business owner. And I think that one of the key values is normalizing it and going, Mm -hmm. yep, this is how it is. Um, so one of the things is there is that there is ability to have a deeper empathy for for people who just regular day to day life, zero hours contracts. And I saw the guy, um, Dan from uh, what's his name, the, the guy who cut his pay from a million to 70,000 and pays all of his staff 70,000. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he just was tweeting today, just going, I see that Jeff Bezos is now worth 70 billion more than he was at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I pay myself 70,000 and, um, you know, I don't ask the government to pay for rent for a new office um, mm-hmm. and all my people get paid 70,000. So it's, mm-hmm. you can afford that. Right. So there are all these conversations about inequality and there's some politics around that. But, you know, so it's nice. It, it's really good that we, that, that, that having an, you know, I sat just for a very short period of time going, 
to what you called a poverty mindset, I went, oh, I'll have absolutely no income coming in next month. Turned out not to be the case. Mm-hmm. But I'm, maybe I'm somehow I've, um, I can, I, I, I've switched back into that really productive um, mm-hmm. gear quite quickly. So the thing around normalizing is one thing. The thing, if I move into what, what's next, I'm very concerned and, and using a UK centric lens. I'd love to hear the US perspective. Um, I'm very concerned. I really believe that there will be a massive drop in entrepreneurial activity uh, with small businesses in the coming couple of years. For tax reasons in this country, every small business is advised to set themselves up as a limited company, pay minimum amount of, of uh, payroll tax salary mm-hmm. um, and pay mostly as shareholder as director dividends. Mm-hmm. And in a way beyond what was in the US, they, they set up a thing called a furlough scheme and an income support scheme over here, which is still in place till next March. Mm-hmm. And basically people could could up to earnings of in sterling £2,500 a month, get 80% of that. Two million company directors were excluded from that. Mm-hmm. Left with nothing. All right. right. Because they'd taken the entrepreneur and, and they all they did, they're not tax evaders. All they did was they don't get paid. Uh, sick pay, they don't get paid vacation pay, they don't get any mm-hmm. sort of social benefits. And mm-hmm. in return for that risk, they set up this structure and they avoid paying what's called national insurance, which is a right. certain amount which otherwise would cover certain benefits. Um, but this is the structure they've been given. This is the way they're advised. This is the way the government's set up. But the mm-hmm. government consciously excluded all those people. So mm-hmm. that's probably a large number of the smaller businesses of different sizes that weren't able to keep their revenue going, that still have that mindset. It's, it's very, um, it's, it's going to be a really weird recession that we go into because it's going to bo- both be, it's going to drop all, ec- this is my sense, you're more of an expert than me. It's going to drop all economic activity, but it's going to be so lumpy. Certain areas will be really booming, like online retail. Others will not be. But the really pervasive thing is there'll be a drop in people starting up businesses being, and I'm not talking about the people who go into Y Combinator and, you know, get mm-hmm. seed funding. I'm talking about regular people being entrepreneurial, starting a small mm-hmm. business. Um, and I think there'll be a drop in that because people's risk profiles will have changed permanently through this. Um, there is that stat that um, uh, students who leave college going into a recession, their income is impacted for their entire life. Uh, mm-hmm. Their average income is impacted, is lower for their entire yep. life than people who yep. leave college going into a boom. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know why it's, but there's a behavioral, there's a belief pattern thing, a mindset thing. Your motion sensor is gone, so your lights have kicked off. <laughs> it's okay. Yes, exactly. I told you this is going <laughs> to. No, you warned me this four words on air. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's for me. If I'm looking into the future, there is there's both uh, every challenge. If I'm positive, every challenge is an opportunity. So on a macro scale, there will be this drop in economic in entrepreneurial activity and people willing to take a risk, chance themselves, because there is they've just been told that the government doesn't care about them and there is no safety net in the event of crisis. Whereas if they were on a if they're on a payroll. They would have been covered. Mm-hmm. They would have been covered. And people have been getting on these furloughs, which is very tough psychologically because they're sitting at home for month after month being paid to do nothing mm-hmm. and getting paid 80 percent up to a certain level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I see that happening. But the opportunity within this is I see entrepreneurial opportunity absolutely everywhere for those who are able to take it. Not everybody will be, but for those who have the mindset and the bravery and have not been so hit so hard financially that they can't, there will be massive opportunity in this is, um, uh, I think this is what the economists would call a Schumpeter moment of creative destruction. There'll be so much change. Uh, mm-hmm. I personally am moving house in 10 days. 
and I'm moving to the edge of the city, the edge of London. Yes, I know. I'm told, I'm spoken to you in ages. I finally figured out where your house was, and now you're moving. <laughs> you got lost the first time you came by, type of piece. Um, so you know, I'm moving. I'm moving to the southern edge of London, and I'm backing my hunch. And my hunch is that these people will never go back to work five days a week into the centre of London, but they'll they'll do what I call WFA, work from anywhere. They might go in a couple of days a week if it's useful. But I think you'll see a resurgence in economic activity in the high streets, we call them over here, of these small suburban towns that, that have decent commuter coverage. So I'm moving to one of those. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to back myself. I'm going to remortgage the house I'm buying next year. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start backing a bunch of small businesses right? mm-hmm. because I do see there will be opportunities. But the macro is tough. So I'm uh, just, just – um, I've been rambling for a bit. What are your thoughts on what's next around the impact of all of this and the opportunities and the challenges? I will tell you that um, I have heard from many um, entrepreneurs and small business owners who are looking at closing up shop. Um, And it is, you know, in some ways, I'm not sure if if I had been um, kind of a single person shop if I would feel kind of the same way, but, you know, I was really, like I said, very concerned about the health and well-being of my staff and the people who, you know, look, look to me and this business enterprise um, for security. I felt very obligated to get them through this along with myself, but to get them through this. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, um, you know, I didn't feel like I had the option to just throw in the towel. (laughs) I might have done. Um, But I can tell you that folks that have the option, many are. And some that have actually very stellar business models that really shouldn't, in my opinion. Um, You know, and so I I agree with you that I think that we're going to sort of um, come into a dearth of venture Hmm. uh, that – you know, that, that, and it always creates, you're absolutely right in that it creates opportunities because you have to really hunt, um, rather than just sort of, you know, <laughs> seeding everything. Um, and, and so, so I think that, 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 that is certainly, uh, occurring. Um, some folks are getting are you know, who have been looking to get themselves purchased aren't going to make it through that purchase cycle you know, in order to, to sort of be a, a merged with, with some other larger company, mm-hmm. um, they're throwing in the towel. And those companies that are still looking to merge are still looking. That's the thing. You just have to be able to survive another year. And some people are saying, it's not worth it. I would rather spend the next, you know, eight months securing a paycheck um, rather than, you know, taking my intellectual property and trying to monetize it. Uh, into a, a, a sellable property. And, and that's, I think, in some cases is probably a good thing, but in, in, in some cases it's not. I think that we're going to lose some really good intellectual property. And quite frankly, I think some companies, large companies, are going to pick those people up and their intellectual property for a song, paying them a paycheck, and taking advantage of what's in their heads. And so that's what I find interesting about what's going to happen. I think that you're going to see sort of an even greater inequality result from this. Which is very unfortunate. And um, 
but back to the opportunity thing, because people, some of the audience will be people looking at what, to, you know, where are my opportunities, where are my challenges? And, you know, hopefully they've heard from you and that it's normalized for them what it feels like to be somebody that has a number of staff dependent upon you as the business owner and leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so around, around, um, where am I going with this? It's the end of my day. You just need your coffee. I, I need a glass of wine or something. <laughs> um, so the, um, yeah, that, that inequality thing is, is, is definitely going to be real. I think the opportunity is also links me to a Warren Buffett phrase that, and I'm a big fan of Buffett's thinking. Um, and well, actually him and Charlie Munger and the two that come to mind is Buffett has a phrase of be, be fearful when others are greedy mm-hmm. and greedy when others are fearful. Mm-hmm. And I just had a client whose business is very counter cyclical. So therefore they will benefit, um, massively from a recession. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had an approach from a private equity house that wants to do a consolidation play mm-hmm. and they want to bring in a whole bunch of businesses that, that turn over just a few million mm-hmm. and, um, pull them together nationally. Mm-hmm. And they're offering what on the surface looks like a great price today. <laughs> and I'm going, and they said, well, what do you think? I said, the first thing is see it through their eyes. And after a conversation, we went, what they're seeing is by branding something nationally, Mm-hmm. Right. By recognizing this, this business will probably double in value in the next three years because it's counter cyclical. Right. They want to pick you up for 20 percent of what you would be worth combined to them. Now, you don't get the brand benefit, but I didn't say to the client, don't do it. What I said was, what's most important to you right now? So one of the other things people are starting to look at, if they are in the fortunate position that they can provide for their families and their staff and their business, some people have reassessed what's important. They're, that this time to slow down. There's something you said, like, well, for the first month of the lockdown, I was sitting down, maybe the first two months. And if you look back over the last, I don't know, 30 plus years of your adult life, well, kind of nearly that much. Um, and you go, when's the last time I sat down for a month? <laughs> so, so, you know, we have had time to look at that. So there is a, there is a level of reassessment of, and that, that, you know, has me thinking about, um, something you and I talked about before, which is what's the purpose of a corporation? What's the purpose of a business? Mm-hmm. And on a, on a very personal level, it's, uh, for individuals on a very individual level, it can be about what really matters now, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is it, does it matter to me to maximize how much money I can make income or income or equity from a business? Mm-hmm. Or does it matter to me? What's the difference we make? Um, or, and I would blend in between sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. The point you made is absolutely right. I think a lot of the brains and intellectual property and ideas will be hoovered up, we'd say over here, vacuumed up mm-hmm. by big companies with big balance sheets. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's just the way. So, you know, if, 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 if you were talking to, well, I'm sure you are, but if you're, but, um, not, you know, your own business, people can look up Quantico Global later and look up what you do. It's fairly Chantico. easy to Cantico, you pronounce it. Cantico. Cantico. Cantico, <laughs> sorry. It's pronounced just C-H. like it's spelled. I thought it was There you go. I'm a terrible Chantico. host. Um, <laughs> um, and I'm too it's lazy. Okay. I'm too lazy to do I've that. been called Chianti on air. So I've had every version of that. Oh, okay. Very. Cantico very is a new cool. one, though. Uh, that is a jail. I'd okay. rather be a wine than a jail. Okay, you were late. <laughs> you you were late, but I've dug myself an even deeper hole. In that, so, so. 
So what else is on your, what, you know, this, we've got a few minutes to go. So what else is on your, um, on your mind? You know, what, what's, what's really top of mind in terms of what comes next? You know, let's maybe touch on the fact that, you know, people are so micro about the day to day, right? The news, 24 hour news cycle. Mm-hmm. So it looks like the rest of the world is looking at America going, well, it looks like we've got a new, new uh, administration coming in. Does that, mm-hmm. what is, does that mean anything substantive? Um, in the coming Absolutely. Uh, I, I will tell you that the turnover of this administration, and especially given the way that it has occurred, which, you know, the United States has been in shell shock sort of from discovering just how unhappy and displeased such a huge swath of, swath of the nation was in order to have elected, hmm. you know, a president with no experience. And they're still shell-shocked at how many people still voted for him after four years of showing what he does. And and so, you know, I think that we're sort of facing a moment in time where um, it is a relief for many, more than half of the nation. It is a relief for many that we are at least coming back to some kind of normalcy and decorum. I think that is there's a psychological feel to that. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's this sort of reality that um, that you're going to have to deal with these problems that have been occurring and really kind of amassing since, you know, 1980s liberalism and probably even before that. But it wasn't really until the 80s that it really kicked into high gear, both in the U.S. and in the U.K., by the way. Um we, we were on a very similar cycle in, in that regard, which is this idea of this, this sort of libertarian idea that you could, um, that you could force everyone to pay their own way. Um, and in doing so, deprive the nation of important social infrastructure that actually was what you were benefiting from. And so I think that we're coming back around to this idea that quite frankly, these investments they they cost a lot at the front, but they pay back for decades. We are still getting the benefit of investment in the United States into the highway system, which occurred in the 50s. Yeah. Um, and and we are now experiencing the negative repercussion of disinvestment into the education system, which has been occurring for decades. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this idea that you can cut taxes immeasurably Take that on debt. So this idea that, 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 that this is great because we're not paying taxes today. Well, someone is paying that. Debt is just a tax on future generations. It's a benefit today with a tax on the future. At least a tax is a benefit today with a cost today. Um, and investment, which is the hardest thing to do politically, is a cost today and a benefit in the future. But we have to get back into this mindset, and I think we're swinging back into this mindset that we have to start investing for our future. But what it means is that you're going to get an entire generation that has suffered the costs of kind of decadence 20 or 30 years ago and then paying the cost of investments into into uh, results that they will not see likely in their lifetime. And I, I think that that's kind of the greatest disenfranchisement we have managed to pull off as a as a nation and as a world well we're getting into our kind of economic stuff uh, which is really cool and you know in america there is the s word which is the thing you cannot ever accuse somebody of being socialist all right 
Socialist is such an extreme to what I'm talking about. <laughs> it is. It is. But what you're actually talking about in European terms, there, there are very few pure socialists in Europe, but there are a lot of social mm-hmm. Democrats. Right. And, and that, that actual that's really what you're talking about in mm-hmm. American capitalist society terms is that mm-hmm. rebalancing. Um, and I, I very much agree with you. And I, I would also add that there is um, that there is a magic money tree that can balance this. Because we do have an entire generation who have suffered this. And, you know, in America, in Britain, politically, they have a thing called a triple lock. Pensions will state pensions will go up at the least of these three different um, KPIs. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, retail price index, etc. So the generation that's benefited the most from this with property prices going up and building their assets are the ones who continue to get a locked in gold plated pension. Mm-hmm. Right? Who's paying for that? Because, as you know, it's. Current pensions are paid for by current workers. Mm-hmm. And the, the answer is incredibly old school. It's war bonds. It's permanent bonds. And mm-hmm. so I know that our mutual friend Megan Green has, has, has leapt onto that uh, and working with the, uh, a couple of the guys on some papers, the guys from Angrynomics and stuff like this and actually talking about this and going, actually, and so does David McWilliams. We're in, a, we're in an age where central debt is free. And it's really difficult for the Friedman followers to get this and go, no, we can borrow this money and not pay it off for a hundred years. Um, pay the interest, but not the capital. It's like having a mortgage, which is at zero percent interest. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, you know, we, we're geeking out on all the very macro stuff, but th- that stuff is very possible that, that, that we don't actually have to pay it off. And it's, it's a big mind. Not sure I agree with that, but we can have that on a new, on the next show. Perhaps so. Well, I would say to you that if I put it to you this way, in 1714, the British government raised war bonds for the Napoleonic Wars. Have a guess when they paid them off. All it takes is time with any bond. How, have a guess when they paid off a bond raised. I, d- I don't know, so I'm not going to guess. <laughs> 200 years later. Right. Well, I'm not, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Well, because it had no expiry date and it was raised in the market. Once you do that, it's not your problem. Mm-hmm. Anyway, very, very detailed. Sorry to geek out. Uh, but it took us both a while to get settled and get woken up. And I will remind you in the future about how somebody who uh, runs shows at CNBC showed up late for being on air on time. And oh. I miss seeing my friend in London. So um, I miss you, too. Right? And so hopefully we get to talk, talk later. Um, All right. And enjoy. I will log us off now and, be, and I will hopefully talk to you for a few minutes afterwards after we've got rid of our massive audience. And uh, Anyway, thank you very much, Gina. Thank you, Tom.